what's up, everything? Another week has passed, which means we're one week closer to crowning a Stanley Cup champion. Will it be the intrepid Vegas Golden Knights? The dastardly Nashville Predators? The wearisome Pittsburgh Penguins? We'll discuss it ahead. We'll also check in on Tavares Watch 2018 as we slowly approach the July 1st free agency period. We'll finally discuss blues and league news and touch on any other random topics that occur to our weary, addled minds. So let's Let's get started, and let's go Blues! back everyone this is the two guys no cup podcast we are coming to you from our quite frankly ostentatious studios in the restricted section of the library at hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry uh that is something i know a lot about any and probably knows less about <laughs> so how are you doing today Ian? you um, filthy muggle <laughs> it's very dusty in here <laughs> probably that's, true that right that's the yeah. up Yep, you Wizards got Wizards have lots of spells, but they can't clean. That's true. They can't, especially in that section. And the books will scream at you, and then Filch will come around, and it's, it's a whole big thing. Listen, you don't want to come here without a teacher's note, folks. Just just don't do it. Just mind your P's and Q's. Be good little Hufflepuffs. Anyway, <laughs> we're here. It's <laughs> Thursday, May 3rd. Ian is already entirely lost. <laughs> And I read Harry Potter <laughs> just many moons ago. And uh, we are here to discuss all things hockey and Quidditch. I think the oh, Chudley no. Cannons are taking it all this year. That's the last one, folks. We're done. We're moving on. Uh, it is May, <laughs> and we are in the midst of a playoff race, which we will discuss in a moment. But first, May brings the return of many pests and predators and creatures <laughs> of ill intent. And uh, we are listeners of the Steve Dangle podcast here at Two Guys No Cup. And uh, they had a segment on today discussing, well, that started by discussing the horror that is Canada geese, uh, which I can only concur with their awful, awful, monstrous bags mm-hmm. of air. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I meant to spring this on you, but then I told you. So now you kind of know it's coming. But at the end of this segment, they ranked the top five pests of the summertime, I guess of the summertime, of the whenever, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I'd throw that question at you. And their five were uh, the aforementioned Canada geese, mice, hornets, mosquitoes, and they had dock spiders, which first time I heard it, I thought they said duck spiders. That's what I And thought. the second time I heard it, I thought they said dog spiders. And I was like, is that just a weird Canada way of saying wolf spider? And then I heard dock spiders. And let me tell you, they are horrifying looking, but since we don't have a lot of docks or dock spiders, I thought I'd switch it to cicadas, because they're real annoying and kind of gross <laughs> and local. So that's what you got. You gotta rank them. Mice, hornets, mosquitoes, cicadas, Canada geese. Five through one. Let's hear it. And I will chime in and give my own as oh, we man. go on. Oh, he's Googling things, folks. He's getting into it. What's the one we replaced? We got... Dock spiders. Oh, that's They're right. horrifying. So that's like a breed, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, it's like a... 
A race? That's not the right word. <laughs> it's like a family of spider types. Okay. I thought maybe this was just any spiders on a dock. Obviously not. I think it's kind of both, okay. though, because they talked about there being multiple kinds. Um, hmm. I guess I'd say cicadas are fifth. They're last. Okay. They're annoying. They come, what, every 13 years here in St. Louis? Well, they're cycles. The, the okay. real bad oh, ones are yeah. like every 13 years. Yeah, I remember one crawling down my shirt when I was eight and killing it and then for the rest of the day in elementary school i had like cicada juice juice all over Uh, me it did not phase my eight-year-old self probably not um yeah phased your teachers plenty probably cicadas are lowest um probably geese fourth because they're annoying, but we talked about this before. If a geese, if a goose, a geese, or whatever is flying a at gander, me, whatever. a gander of them is flying at me, mm-hmm. I normally have something on my person, at least my fists. <laughs> and I'm just going to like just wallop that goose right in the damn bill. Mm-hmm. Um, easier said than done, for sure. But I feel like it's a bigger <laughs> target, and I kind of just don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I, I, I think, let me interrupt. I think I would probably flip that. And say geese fifth, cicadas fourth, because cicadas are way grosser than geese. True. Because insects are grosser than. But you don't birds. see cicada shit everywhere, though. That's true. That is true. That's a good point. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. You just can't see <laughs> you it. You just can't see it. But, you know, they keep you up at night sometimes. That's a pain in the butt. Here's the thing about geese geese are the nastiest little monsters when you invade their turf. But if you just steer clear of them, they're just little floaty things in the ponds and the streams and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're Canadian. They're just impolite Canadians. <laughs> all of the pol- impoliteness of all of Canada just went into the geese. So that's my 5-4. Why don't you continue? Uh, let's see. Mice. Mice are third. Because yeah. I don't like mice, but also they're just small and trying to eat stuff. I, I can understand that. You just want some food. I mean... Everybody's been there. Yeah. I also, if you put a trap down, they like easily fall for it every time I've ever had a mouse anywhere. So it's no big deal. <laughs> big two, I guess we already ruled out cicadas for me, are hornets and mosquitoes. And mosquitoes have to come in number two because hornets are the other option. <laughs> they have to be... Those have to be number one because we talked about earlier, hornets are trying to kill you. But they're too small. But they're doing their damnedest <laughs> to try to kill you. They're the biggest pain in the butts ever, putting it lightly. The thing about you, I'm scared of them to this day. Like, I'm a six foot three <laughs> man, and I would still run oh, like a I'm girl. I'm terrified from a of any flying, stinging insect. I will steer clear, even if it's one of those big, bumbly, like you know, big bumblebees yeah. that I don't think can even hurt you. I'm giving them like ten feet of space. <laughs> Uh, The thing about mosquitoes is I guess there's this weird respect I have where it's like, you're eating me, but like to survive. Like the mosquito (laughs) didn't want to be born a parasite necessarily, but that's its gig. And it just kind of has to do that. It's a kindred spirit. You have your blood. It has your blood. Exactly. You're the same blood. We share one. And then you get that moment where, like, if you catch one that's sucking you, it just explodes, and you're like, yeah. Isn't that a little fun? It is. I'm glad somebody else feels that way, because other people are probably like, gross, but that's not how I feel. You got a mix of blood on you. (laughs) But hornets will kill. I mean, they will destroy you, and they attack in groups. 
if you piss off two hornets, they're both going to try and kill you. <laughs> and that's why they're terrible. And their stings hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. I stepped on a bee once, and that's the other thing. They can be anywhere. I was playing in a park. I was just throwing a baseball around with a friend up in uh, up in Kirksville when I was in college, and uh, it was actually as correspondent Jordan, I think, at the time. <laughs> but um, I was picturing with a hat on and the Avs logo. <laughs> oh yeah, like and a like reporter. a piece of paper, a pencil tucked yeah. behind one of the ear. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, we. Ju- I was just playing barefoot, and I stepped on a bee and got stung, and it was like, oh, I hadn't been stung in probably a decade or so, and it was like, oh, this is why this is awful in every <laughs> way. And I couldn't walk for like a good ten minutes because it was right on the sole of my foot. So and for some reason, it always sounds so like. I don't know, sad to admit. Like, I mean, you get stung in the foot by a bee, and that truly happens, and it truly hurts. But if you're limping around, and oh, someone's yeah. like, what happened? You're like, oh, bee stung my foot. You automatically feel terrible yeah, for like limping. Yeah, you're loser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People died at war, you yeah. pathetic piece my, of crap. My grandpa fought Nazis in World War II. You better stop limping. He didn't do that so you could limp after a bee sting, you big... Anyway, so that was our... That was our uh, our interlude for the introduction. I thought it would be fun. We'll do that more this mm. summer. Try to try to inject our personalities in this thing. Because you don't get enough of that when you mm. listen on a week-to-week so basis. flat. We're about very the monotonous <laughs> and disinterested in the subject matter. Uh, and speaking of... No, that's not a good transition. Because Tom Wilson's a butthole. <laughs> uh, we want to talk about this hit by Tom Wilson on Zach Aston Reese who has a hyphenated last name and isn't just a rich white kid named Aston Reese. Just so you all know, because I didn't, I did not know. Does Zach Aston Reese or does Aston Reese sound like he has more money? Good question. Aston Reese suggests he's the product of divorce. So Mm. I think Zach Aston Reese does, the hyphenated. So I think Aston sounds like a little more money, but not much. Because here's the thing, folks. He's playing hockey. He's got money. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. how hockey works. He's flush It's a (laughs) middle-class sport. And up. Uh, We can't obviously play clips of the hit to you because we're a podcast. (laughs) We can tweet it out. You can find it. And yeah, we tweeted out the player safety video a while ago. Um, Basically a play where uh, Aston Reese, I'm just going to call him Zach for now. (laughs) Zach is leaving the zone uh, and he's trying to skate up ice and Wilson is kind of middle ice and sees him and skates over to the boards and hits him. And from one angle, it looks Pretty, uh, pretty harm. I mean, not harmless because it's a, a lot mm. of impact, but Just pretty like a big hit. innocuous is yeah. the word I was looking for. Innocent in the sense that it looks shoulder on shoulder. But then if you see another angle, you see that it's shoulder making contact with the, the jaw to start Ooh, out with. Yeah. And uh, Tom Wilson. I, his name was so normal, I had to look and be like, was it something else? Had uh, It looked like he left his feet pretty hardcore. I mean, didn't look like. He definitely left his feet. Um, yeah, a, a lot of interesting angles here to talk about. He got a three-game suspension, first of all. What do you think about that? Appropriate? Too long? Too lenient? I'd say that's pretty appropriate, especially for playoffs where they really try not to give out more than a game mm-hmm. unless you murdered someone. And while I think this is a really big hit, 
I, I guess I wouldn't have thought it would have been three, mm-hmm. but I think breaking his jaw, Zach's jaw, filters into it. Whether or not you want the injury to determine mm-hmm. whether or not someone gets a long suspension or any suspension at all, it seems to be part of the deal when they determine these things. But also, like you said... Does he have a concussion as well? Was it I think so. And concussion? I heard okay. concussion symptoms, and I was like, so that's a concussion. Yeah, I've never, like, it's always a concussion. It's yeah. never like, oh, he's just vomiting and has slurred speech, <laughs> yeah. but it's fine. Yeah, but no concussion. <laughs> um, that protocol room really helped. <laughs> I, I get where people think it was trying, or where Tom Wilson was trying to do shoulder to shoulder. And hockey's a fast sport. They say that all the time on these questionable hits. But on the slow motion replay, you can see him lean into it. And I know a lot of guys are going to kind of lean into their hits, but it's definitely kind of an upwards trajectory. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can be more responsible. And at least He like, leaned into it the way Steph Curry leans into a jump shot, by which I mean he jumped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he pretty much leaves his feet. And even, um, oh, what's his first name? Danny Carcillo? Mm-hmm. Of the Blackhawks, and prior to that, I think it was the Flyers or something, mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter. And post that, it will be prison. No. <laughs> <laughs> to his credit, he, on Twitter, he had like a three or four comment string of how how and why this needed to be suspended. And he's mm-hmm. like, take it from a guy who's tried to make this hit before. <laughs> I know what he was doing. He even talks about how he squares, how uh, Tom Wilson squares his skates up because he knows he's going to try and go high. Yeah. Um, and you see, too, you can see in the video, especially the way, I don't know if it was Paris recording mm-hmm. uh, the actual voiceover. It was a really good video, actually, uh, but yeah, for once. Uh, it was pretty in-depth. And you see the way he kind of pivots so that he's leading with his shoulder, mm-hmm. rather th- or leading with a strong shoulder, rather than like kind of skating this way and just sort of like nudging in through him, you know? Not that that wouldn't have been an intense hit, too, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely, there's a lot there. It's hard for me. The first couple of times I watched it, I was like, eh, I don't know. And then the couple more times I was like, oh yeah, I know. This is bad. I think the big deal too is the game that was in game three, which mm-hmm. was what, two nights ago or something. Yeah. And game two, Tom Wilson also had like a really questionable hit. I can't remember on who, but they were also kind of reviewing that. So they, I think they threw the book at him because he's been a re- repeat offender mm-hmm. during the regular season. And yeah, then he this had is, two in the preseason this year or something. Yeah, yeah, and then he had these two back-to-back. So mm-hmm. they're like, look, even if we want to believe you that this one wasn't intentional, we kind of have to give you, like, something. something. Yeah. Uh, Elliot Friedman on 31 Thoughts podcast this week talked about how he knew a guy. Uh, he said he knew plenty of guys, but one guy in particular <laughs> that is a, a current player that hates Tom Wilson and said that this shouldn't be suspended, but I wonder if he saw all the angles we saw. Yeah. A uh, couple of interesting things to consider. We put out a poll on on Twitter uh, at two guys no cup all spelled out, which you're already following us there probably, but it never hurts to reinforce. <laughs> uh, we asked if the if the penalty of three games was too strict, too lenient, or perfect, and I'm actually a little surprised at how even it was. Thirty percent said too strict, thirty percent said too lenient, and forty percent said. Perfect. So that kind of surprises me. Uh, one of the things I really, one of the points I really wanted to make though is they had um, on that same episode of Thirty One Thoughts, which I guess was recorded this morning or yesterday. I guess yesterday uh, they had Brian Burke on, who 
has done a number of things. He's been an executive. He was the Maple Leafs GM before Lamarillo, I think. Uh, but he, um, among his many other hats, was I think maybe the original George Paris, uh, Brendan Shanahan role of director of player safety uh, from like 93 to 97 or something, I think he said on there. Um, and he talked about in there, did you listen to the whole thing or that you said no, you hadn't I, heard it? Yeah. He talked about in there how like specifically, not even like, oh, this is a good rule of thumb, but like specifically their goal is to cut in half the penalty that they would give a player in a regular season for mm-hmm. playoffs. So like, he would say about this one that it should have been a six-game regular season, like specifically, okay. yeah. not just kind of like, well, this is what you should do, but like that's actually, I don't know if it's the rule as much, but just like what they follow. because of how strict playoffs are. And I feel like, I don't know if it would have been six in the regular season, which is my only thinking of maybe two playoff games, but I think three isn't. Like, you can't be mm. like, oh, that's a crime. It still put, brings them back in time for Game 7 if there is one, um, which so you can argue it's a little lenient there. Um, for those of you who don't listen to 31 Thoughts, that was a really interesting interview with Brian Burke throughout. He's a colorful guy. And they did a, a thing at the start of it where they did, like, a mock hearing for one of these uh, suspension uh Hearings, I guess yeah. is the word. And Elliot and Jeff Merrick, his co-host, played the roles of like Tom Wilson and his GM, uh, and kind of Brian Burke coached them through what they would and wouldn't say. It was really fascinating to listen to if you're into that, which obviously I am because I'm a hockey nerd. So check that out if you'd like to. Uh, any more thoughts on this? I think I have one more thought, which is I've mentioned it before, but what do you think about the possibility and I don't think you can make this a blanket rule because there's too much, too many variables. But what do you think about the possibility of saying you're out for as long as this player's injured? Because in this Ooh. case, you know, it's a it's a pretty mm. awful hit to me. Yeah. And he breaks the dude's jaw, which is like in some ways less serious than a concussion, sort of, but like takes more doing, I would think. <laughs> Uh, I th- I think it probably isn't a rule that works, and especially not in the playoffs. But it's hard to think that even even a three game suspension, which is bad, and not that Zach Aston Reese is you know a, a cornerstone of the uh, Penguins roster necessarily, but it it sucks to think that there could be a game seven where Tom Wilson gets to play for the Capitals and he and Reese isn't there for mm-hmm. the Penguins. Uh, it's so rough because from the perspective of the injured player, if they're on my team, then yeah, I obviously want that mm. other player like gone for as long as they're injured. But I also understand that maybe you know you didn't mean to get him in the head, and the guy is falling over, and right. they'll kind of assess you. You know, well, we got to suspend you some amount of time. You're gonna be out as long as this guy, and then you kind of get a David Perron situation where he's like hurt for a year and a half. Except Joe Thornton should have been suspended oh, yeah. for a year and a half. Just thrown in jail. Yeah, um, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, I was no. going to say the only thing is if they really want to get rid of like headshots and things like that, then they've got to start throwing the book at people almost in the NFL sense. I'm not quite as versed in that, but I'm pretty sure if you make like head contact anywhere, that's just a penalty. Like whether or not yeah. it was intentional, you yeah. slipped, anything. I think if you start 
throwing the book at guys that are like, whoa, I was like really trying to hit him shoulder to shoulder, and he kind of pivoted his head at the last second, and you go, look, we can't, that's just it, that's the rule, that's 10 games mm-hmm. for you regardless. It might soften the game, that's a whole other discussion as far as entertainment goes, Yeah, but you're definitely going to get guys that go, whoa, I'm not even going to get near this dude's head if I'm going to be out for 10 games. Right, and and it there's balances, right? I mean, for sure. The NFL is talking about or has implemented a rule where you literally can't lower your head going into a block. Like you can't. That's the other problem is barrel yeah, yourself up. You don't want guys to use a a strategy where they go, "Oh, I know that's a rule. I'm going to throw my head at people yeah. so they hit it." Yeah, exactly. And I th- I can't remember maybe it was the Brad Marchand hit earlier this year where I was hearing the um, Boston broadcast, Boston's mm-hmm. broadcasters are notoriously Homer. Oh, um, yeah. but the, there was some point where they were like, wait, so you're saying we should change the rules so that it's on the guy who's delivering the hit to protect the guy who's receiving it. And I just remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cause like there's a, di- you know, and this, this sort of stuff doesn't, I think it has gone you know it has regressed a lot in the regular season which is good you don't Mm -hmm. need to be killing people when you're the blues playing the canucks in game 37 of the regular season but like when in the heat of this moment i think we forget sometimes that this is a game that's played at 20 25 30 miles an hour Mm -hmm. (laughs) on skates uh on thin blades of metal (laughs) um with really intense high stakes, especially with the Capitals and Penguins between two teams that hate each other. And so it, it's impossible to enforce well any hit like this because you, you can't like you can't know every thought. You know, he didn't write out a sign saying this is why I'm going to hit this guy in the head mm-hmm. or this is why I'm I'm trying to dodge him while I hit him, you know, and, and that's where reputation and everything else factors into that. But I do kind of like the idea of even if it's not like a long suspension, at least like if you touch their head, it's an automatic minor or major, mm-hmm. double minor, whatever you want to do. Like it's automatically a big, big detriment to your team mm-hmm. and a fine or whatever, you know, so that there's at least there's at least a, a baseline, I guess, that you have to like be punished mm-hmm. a certain amount. That's all we're asking. That's all we're asking from the NHL. Period on a lot of rules. Please just give Something, me a starting a point. point of reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, very true. NHL fast and loose. <laughs> uh, so moving on uh, to less depressing, I guess, news. I mean, it's not that the hit's really depressing. That's not the right word for it. Less violent news. Uh, Jim Montgomery is named the head coach of the Dallas Stars. Uh, officially or unofficially still? Uh, last I looked, I think it was like unofficially, but he pretty much For is. sure, yeah. It uh, sounds like they dug him up out of like a Civil War uh, battleground. Jim Montgomery. Yeah, that's probably true. He was a colonel for the Maine 6th. Um, shout I, out, I believe it. Shout out to Maine. Um, Montgomery is currently the head coach at the University of Denver. Which uh, is a wonderful, wonderful school. Did Schwartz go there, or was that somebody? Colorado College. Colorado College, I think, is where I he think went. You're because right. uh, I'm pretty sure Pierre Montgomery, Pierre Montgomery, Pierre McGuire would talk about how Jim Montgomery hated 
Jaden Schwartz's coach, but would like oh, give yeah. Jaden Schwartz licorice after the game when he had a really good game. <laughs> but it'd be black licorice is sort of a slap in the face. Uh, Montgomery, so Montgomery has been the head coach of UD from 2013 to 2018. He won the NCAA last, championship last year and appeared in the Frozen Four uh, the last two years. Uh, he's had five straight NCAA appearances. He won the Spencer Penrose Award as National Coach of the Year last year. And he coached Hobie Baker Award Will Butcher in 2017, which really isn't an accomplishment for him. It's just something he did. Uh, Before that, he was the head coach and general manager of the Dubuque Fighting Saints of the USHL. He spent four years before that being the assistant head coach of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which I can only pronounce Rensselaer because they recruited me real hard out of high school, which was bizarre. Uh, Where's that at? I think... I don't know. You would think I would know after saying that. Uh, I want to say Iowa, but that doesn't make Mm, sense. You might be right. I was full of weird schools. That's true. It is true. Uh, Dubuque. (laughs) Um... Before that, I'm looking up where Rensselaer was. That's why I got sidetracked. Before that, he was the coach, uh, the volunteer assistant... At Notre Dame, a school I can pronounce and do know where it is. Uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute is in Troy, New York, so I could not have been farther. I wanted to say upstate New York, and then I caved and went Iowa, and boy, oh boy, was I wrong. Uh, (laughs) And finally, before that, interestingly, he was the head coach. He was a player and assistant coach for the 2004-2005 Missouri River Otters, which was John Cooper that too, or was he some other weird St. Louis team? John Cooper was the coach or coach of some capacity for the Bandits that ah. I think used to play at like the Hardy's Iceplex in Chesterfield, that which is no, no longer, longer exists. There. Yep. Um. So he's got a good resume. Uh, an interesting thing that uh, I think this guy's name is Sean Shapiro of The Athletic pointed out. Uh, He had seven rules for every game that he wanted his team to accomplish. It was 50 hits in a game, six, which is a lot. I don't know if that's a different thing in college or what. Uh, 60% of face-offs, one or more, three or fewer odd man rushes given up, commit to blocking shots, which is a lot more nebulous than the rest of that. (laughs) You didn't commit. Uh, Win the special teams battle, win the net front battle, and take zero undisciplined penalties. So, like, the bottom half of that list is just, well, duh. But the top half is pretty interesting. Oh, that's like the, I don't know, good luck to him in Dallas. But what a weird, like, I want you to do all the things the best. And I've split them into seven rules. When you're out there skating 20 miles an hour, please remember my seven rules. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, can you just tell me like your one game plan, and I'll try and do that <laughs> and fail. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> a 19 year old kid. Uh, I think he'll do a good job there. I, I I see this as a case, and I think that's also often the case with college guys where he's either going to be awesome or bomb totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I have a good feeling about him, which I don't 
particularly want to because they're in our division. Uh, he is the first guy hired straight out of college since Dave Hackstall, way back Hackstall, way back in 2015, which isn't that long ago. But hockey's got a weird thing about their coaches can only come from certain places at certain times. So, mm-hmm. And most of the time it's just from the NHL graveyard. Yes, exactly. So yeah, I like that they hired a new guy. A mm-hmm. Fresh meat's always nice. I'm glad they didn't sit with anyone that's already been there. Yeah. Uh, Sean Shapiro added, he's a player's coach who has been se- who has seemingly found the proper line in both his head coaching stops between being a partner with his players, but also still serving as an authoritative figure. His practices are intense, but he finds a way to keep things light. So he's like, you're doing wind sprints, but you're doing them in hula skirts. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as you said, a little bit of fresh meat. Uh for the division, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Moving from fresh meat to very old meats, we have Lou Lamorello leaving uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I got to tell you, folks, Ian Peters saw that transition coming from a mile away. And he sure did enjoy it. I loved it. it. I loved it. <laughs> Lou Lamorello has been the GM of the Maple Leafs for not that long, right? Three uh, or four years. The last three years, yeah. Um, and has been kind of overseeing but underseeing because he's under Brendan Shanahan their Mm -hmm. transition uh, out of the real doldrums into relevance again including drafting Austin Matthews which of course was a slam dunk once you won that draft there was no uh, it wasn't like he found a a (laughs) diamond in the rough but um, he is in his 70s now I think yeah mid 70s Uh, and this was a scheduled like end of his contract that he was supposed to move into upper management. There is a guy named Kyle Dubas who is believed to be his second in command and will take over in his stead. Um, I don't have a lot to add here because I think this was expected. I kind of hope Lou has the grace to finally sort of just like shuffle off into oblivion. <laughs> no, but to t- take a front office role and like chill out a little bit, dude, this is a hard job and you're 75, like calm down. Mm. Um, but do you have anything to add? I know you're a little more plugged in with the Maple Leafs because you're a more religious Steve Dangle listener than I am, but I'm curious if you have anything to add mm. to this. Um, just that he did quite a bit for the Maple Leafs. I know that's kind of a Brendan Shanahan sort of regime thing too with Brendan Shanahan being like the president of hockey operations and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, in the last two years, they've made the playoffs back-to-back years, obviously, and that's the first time that Maple Leafs have done that since uh, their sixth-season run from 1999 to like 2004. Oh. So in between 04 and whatever that was, 16, 17, they'd made the playoffs before but never back-to-back years. As Steve Dangle famously said... I've believed in the Toronto Maple Leafs my entire life. The least you could do is believe in yourself. <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm a kindred spirit with that guy. <laughs> I, I always wonder how can anyone root for that team sometimes, and I think you know that's mu- must be what they think about Blues the fans. Blues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, As I kick you under the table, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Um, <laughs> yeah, they re- they re- reached rich roached. They got to <laughs> rot. I they, think they rot. rot. A franchise high in both points with 105 this year. That and actually wins. kind of worked. Yeah, <laughs> at 49. Yeah. I think with Kyle Dubas, who's 31, by the way, mm-hmm. and somehow not the youngest GM in the NHL. Well, thank you, John Shaka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that guy's what, 28? Mm-hmm. He's pretty much our age. He's our age. 
No, we're much younger than that. Or much older. You have no idea. I feel like I'm 20 years old. (laughs) Um, But yeah, 31, and he's got a lot ahead of him. He's got to decide what he's going to do with James Van Riemsdyk, Tyler Bozak, Leo Komarov, who are all UFAs. I'm guessing he's going to let him walk. Um, but also the bigger deal. Uh, did you forget Roman Polak? Oh, yes. And, of course, the storied <laughs> Czech boy. The door. You Roman can't open, Pol- don't yeah. open that door. They referenced that a week or two ago when the Maple Leafs were still in. I was oh, like, really? People remember that on <laughs> From a national Ken scale? Hitchcock? That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Don't don't ever open that door. Oh. <laughs> they, he opened it once and I it was pretty it cool. every morning on the Bernie McWish show. They had that quick play. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's there for posterity I think the bigger deal for Kyle Dubas who I mean at this point is their GM is deals for Nylander Marner and Matthews Mm. you man they're all RFAs you could probably have all of them but you're gonna have to kind of gut the rest of your team or you do the smarter thing in my eyes and trade one of them to the Blues preferably Awesome. <laughs> I'll take I'll take William Nylander scraps. I'll take the three. I'll take the the clear three in that group. Yeah, happily. I'll, oh, for sure. We'll discuss it. Uh, just as a side note, when you said posterity, that automatically brings me to as I try to as I restrain cursing this darn computer for dinging on me every episode once. It's like tradition at this point. I think if there's a bingo card that's on. Oh yeah, for sure. If there's a drinking game, you're all hammered right now. But you said the word posterity, which of course brings me back to uh the uh preamble song for uh, the schoolhouse rock for the preamble to the Constitution. So I thought you should know that. Did you say, uh, of course? Of course, brings of course, me back to Yes, <laughs> naturally. Uh, so, in any case, uh, I could sing that, but I'm not nearly drunk enough, so I won't. Uh, Ron <laughs> Francis is officially forced out of his post in Carolina. Longtime Hartford Whalers superstar uh, has been forced out by. Uh, positively Dickensian owner Tom Dundon. Uh, <laughs> he seems like an old evil rich man in a Charles Dickens novel is what I was trying to say there. Uh, has forced out the, the face of the franchise, the hero, the superstar, Ron, Ron Francis, after three years of pretty decent management, I think, or at Fine. least not terrible. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I just feel kind of sad for him. He was the GM. They got a new owner. I'm sure he thought that was going to help the team. And maybe mm-hmm. it still will, but he's like, cool, I got to be part of this. And then they promoted slash demoted him to president of hockey operations. And now he's just been canned completely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he really did such a bad job that he needed to be removed. But I guess as a new owner and this I owner... want that man removed. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely their owner. Dundon feels like a guy that wants his hand in every pie there you know mm-hmm. if that's a phrase because it is now um kind of yeah in a way we we got there we stumbled <laughs> towards it it just seems like a very hands-on owner personally mm-hmm. if i'm a hockey fan gross i wouldn't i really wouldn't want a guy that i'd want a fan as an owner i like our current owner but it's i just think unless you're used to play hockey or somehow some analytical genius you're just the money, man. I just need your money. <laughs> yeah. I don't need you telling me like who plays on what line or what you want. I've already got a coach that wants that from my butt. Like I don't need the guy above me telling me now too. Yeah. 
Yeah. So sorry, Carolina. What I'm trying to say is I'm sorry, Carolina. I think it's going to be very rough for you, and I think they're going to gut your team and start the rebuild all over again. It's going to be pretty ugly and there. The Blues should reap some of those torn apart pieces, particularly Jeff Skinner. Come on down. And I'll tell you what's not going to be ugly. Tavares watched 2018. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> we are returning to our beloved segment to discuss a bit of news. There's not much about John Tavares, but we will touch on Craig Custance's article of the top 20 NHL UFAs and their possible destinations. He says, Tavares hasn't ruled out staying in New York, and one area to watch is to see what the Islanders do on the management front. If they bring in an experienced executive with a track record of success, that will factor into the decision-making. They haven't fired Gar Snow. Why would they? <laughs> anyway, but there's also no shortage of teams outside of New York that intrigued Tavares, and as far as free agency as free agency gets closer, so too does the likelihood that he at least has conversations with those teams. He's already had conversations. I like, I like how it says they intrigued Tavares, like he's sitting there on his big Ooh. old sofa. Ah, the San the Jose sh- intrigued the sh- me. The sharks wear teal. Very interesting. <laughs> exactly. If, if, we're, if we're handicapping an early frontrunner outside of the Islanders, the conversation starts with the San Jose Sharks. Sharks GM Doug Wilson has structured his budget so that he should have plenty of room to add in free agency. Wilson is a big game hunter, and it's been a while since he's landed a big one. He's due. There might be a little concern from Tavares that the Sharks core is aging. Oh, it's aging badly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since there will be a lot of projection put into his decision. But there's no doubt that plugging Tavares into that lineup makes the Sharks a Western Conference power for the next several years. I'm not convinced by that, but hey. Mm -mm. One long shot to watch on this front is the Chicago Blackhawks. There is no (laughs) doubt Chicago is looking to add something significant, said one NHL source. The St. Louis Blues are another strong option for Tavares. I do not like that we've been relegated to third and after the Blackhawks. We're just the other, we're the other strong option. So when you texted me about this earlier, this clip... Mm this quote, whatever you want to say. I just think the NHL has to look for intrigue where there's not. Mm-hmm. I'd, th- he's not going to the Blackhawks. Why? Like, Where's the money? Here's the, th- here's the thing that really ticks me off about the whole construction of that article. He's supposed to worry about the Sharks' aging core, but the Blackhawks, he's fine with. Like he's like, oh yeah, for sure. Let's go to the co- let's go to the team with four contracts, anchoring them down for the next half a decade. Duncan Keith had two goals this year. I'm I want that. And plus, I mean, Stan Bowman is impressive, but he's not a magician. We saw that last season. Right. This season. And he screwed up huge. And he, yeah, he cut, well, he actually added cap in the immediate term, I think. But like, he can't just make cap space fall out of the sky. I And my my bigger point with that is not really to pick on the Blackhawks. It's just, you know, I, I think a lot of this coverage of Tavares has been, well, here's how, you know, he, he, could, he could maybe go to the Predators. You know, they could make two or three moves and clear up some mm-hmm. contract space, and, and they could they could really make a super team if they added John Tavares. Or, you know, oh, he's from Ontario, and the Maple Leafs, yeah. I mean, let's not think about the fact that they have three superstars that are all going to need contracts, and they won't be able to sign all three of the superstars they already have. And let's not consider the fact 
fact that they need two established defensemen before they need any other offensive player. Mm-hmm. Let's just focus on the fact that he's from Ontario. So, yeah, and, oh, he has Austin Matthews' as agent, not to pick on Elliot Friedman, but they had the same agent, so maybe he'll go there. Or like, oh, he could go to Chicago because they're a team that's down on its luck and is famous. It's just like... If the reality of this story is that the Blues and the Islanders and the Sharks and the even the Knights, who you would think would be a sexier option, are like leading fr- are the front runners for him, don't just make up bigger market teams as an option <laughs> just because that's more intriguing for your headlines. That kind of bothers me. What's your take on it? No, I think the that's... same. <laughs> Good. No. I say probably it's it's annoying. I feel like. I don't know enough about other teams' cap structure. I know a few of them. Like, there's no way the Blackhawks are fitting them in. Like, they're they're just not unless they move one of those crazy contracts elsewhere, which isn't going to happen either. I could see the Sharks. I just yeah. There's a lot of big market teams don't have room for them, or they're like rebuilding. Sure, you could go to a Rangers, but a Rangers team is kind of trying to start over. I feel like the Blues are a good fit. The Sharks are a good fit. Maybe Montreal, just because they're always nuts. They just yeah. go, why not? And they just throw money at the problem every damn year. So I could see that. But really, unless there's some crazy weird dark horse, I think it's a three-team race, possibly two teams. It could change in the coming weeks. That would be kind of fun just to hear sort of more come out of the woodwork. But uh-huh. I I think it's, it's going to come down to just two or three, and I think the Blues are definitely going to be one of them. I see them mentioned plenty. Again, I don't see anyone taking the Blues out of the conversation, mm-hmm. which means that there's been talks. There has to have been. You know they always say they don't do that. You know, you can't oh, talk to sure him. Oh, for sure they have. He's, on his, you know, he's still got his contract left. you got to wait. But they've talked to that guy for sure. Plus, at the very least, like, Petro and him can talk. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, do you have anything more to say about John Tavares? I'm still sitting on 50-50. Flip a coin, July 1st, he's here, he's not. Okay. That's okay. how good our odds are, folks. We're one of the horses, and that's weird enough. Uh, so that's the end of Tavares Watch 2018. <laughs> and now we'll move on to the playoffs discussion, which I don't particularly want to dwell on at this point because not that much has happened. All the series are pretty close. They're either 2-1 to one or 2-2. Two to two. Um so why don't you tell me where you want to go with this? And if I have anything to add, which I don't, I will. We're calling an audible. I really have two series I've watched more recently than any of the other two. I haven't really watched a lot of Pittsburgh and Washington because, honestly, I'm just... All you care about is if Washington wins. Yeah, right? and I, yeah, I just don't really care about either team because it's the same shtick as usual. I mean, Washington's leading in the series 2-1. to one. They're currently playing a game... And I think Pittsburgh was leading, so it might be tied 2-2. I'm not even sure. It is tied 2-2. Penguins scored a third goal. Jake Jake Gensel Gensel on the power play to make it 3-1. Well, we can talk about this for a moment, even though I don't have the stats in front of me. What a playoff stud that kid is. Ten goals? Ten (laughs) goals! They've played what? Eight games? Yeah. Ten games, I guess. Ten goals. I don't know how Jake Gensel did during the season, but it seems that he's just fine in the playoffs. Like, no, he's doesn't... like the opposite of T.J. Oshie. Yeah. He's Except like... T.J. Oshie scored a goal today, too, so I guess I can't <laughs> judge too much. He's like a Justin Williams, but for, like, every game. Not just game seven. Agreed. Agreed. He's pretty amazing. I haven't really watched too much of that series. The other one I haven't watched too much of, because it's late and I live in the Midwest, is San Jose versus uh, Vegas. 
And that's been that's tied two two right now. Vegas had a crazy start where they've seven would the Sharks in the game one. I think they lost game two in OT on kind of an interesting goalie interference call. I never went back to look at it. There's no such thing. And then and then they've tied it. They've There's tied it back no up. So that one's that one's been fun to watch a little bit. I've watched it, but I can't say no too many storylines from it. But there was a Winnipeg Jets National Predators game on let's see what was that Tuesday, mm-hmm. and the Predators went up three zero in Game Three in Winnipeg in the first period. That's a pretty big lead, especially on the road and especially in Winnipeg. That's a hostile environment. Mm-hmm. And the Jets managed to come back and win that game seven to four. That's a lot of we'll just, that's a lot of balls. I mean, as a Blues fan, when they're down two zero at any point it's in the over. season, I pretty much in my head was like, if they come back, like it's a miracle, uh-huh. a God given miracle. <laughs> and seeing a team, especially in the playoffs, where you know the other team is going to hunker down hardcore on a 3-0 lead mm-hmm. on the road. And come back and win 7-4 is absolutely amazing. It made me wonder, and maybe you can help answer this question, are the Jets for real? No, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think they are. I think, uh, I would say there's strong odds that the winner of that series is the winner of the Stanley Cup. I think the the Jets, my only worry about them was can they get past the Predators? I think mm-hmm. Connor Hellebuck is young. But one of the things one of the things that frustrates me about, you know, well, like, well, he's 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 a young goalie and he's never proven himself in the playoffs is like that was true of Jonathan Quick once too. It was true of Marc Andre Fleury, it was true of Mar- Martin Brodeur. Like every goalie who's ever actually has proven himself in the playoffs hadn't at one point, mm-hmm. right? So like Yes, it's a mark against him, but it's not like there's a difference between that and like, oh, Braden Holtby's kind of regularly sort of crappy in the playoffs. You know, that's a very different thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the worry about them was youth and defense. And if they can score seven goals in playoff games, then it doesn't matter how much defense they have. So I think they're a threat. I think this series is far from over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Nashville could still absolutely win it as much as I don't want that to be the case. But yeah, I think they're for real enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you because I got them going to the cup, baby. Yeah, you do. I have them losing the Bruins. But, Gross. You're and, much closer on your predictions so far than I am. I'll tell, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm very proud, except for the fact that the Bruins are currently down 2-1 in the series of Tampa Bay. The other series I've been watching closely, just because, like I said, a vested interest in, in calling the Bruins the winner of the Stanley Cup, <laughs> they kind of have to do it for me now. And they're not. Which was only a cautionary move to to take the sting out of <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was basically to kind of, yeah, exactly. Preempt any sort of anger I'd have when they won. Uh, Tampa, in the last game against Boston, or actually this whole series, this whole three games of the series, is out-chancing Boston in the high-danger scoring area, which is essentially like deep in the slot to either right side, left side of the goalie, kind of underneath the uh, face-off circles there. They're out-chancing them in this series 25-13, to 13, 5 on 5 which is a pretty much double. That's amazing. Boston can't clear them out in front, which is kind of amazing given the fact that you got a six foot nine beast back there that you'd think you'd move anyone from out front of Tuka Rask, but I guess it's not the case in this series. Not only that, but Tampa's spreading their offense really well. They've got 13 players with at least one point across these first three games. 
uh, that's compared to Boston, who has only eight players with one point across these games. That's an all right number, but 17 of those 26 points are from Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand, their top line, which, again, a great mark to have, a great top line. But of those 17 points, 11 of them were in the first game of the series where they beat them, I think, 6-2. to two. So since then, in games two and three, Boston's first line and really their whole team just has not shown up offensively. And I suck at Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> More like to suck. <laughs> You're welcome. Well done. <laughs> um, I just don't know if, if you silence Boston's top line, I don't think they have, I think they're too young. I think mm. they've got guys that eventually could do it for them, DeBrusque being one of them, but I just don't think they've got the experience that Tampa has. I think uh, it's a very easy prediction to make, but if Tampa wins game four and makes it 3-1, I think it's it's over for Boston. It's over. Yeah, David Backus, another year without the cup. When are you going to learn, David? <sighs> I am so wishy-washy on David Backus. At one point, I'm like, you'll never win the cup now because you're not here in St. Louis, and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that you'll never win. And at the same time, like, oh, David, just go get that cup. <laughs> yeah. Put a puppy in the cup. I'm both ways. I, I go both ways. In we, uh, about <laughs> how David how Stephen? Uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll touch more on the playoffs in the coming weeks, especially when most of the series are decided oh, by the next time. They're we gonna be going forever. Be, oh God, they are. Uh, the World Championships are also going to be going for a long time, May 4th to May 20th, and the St. Louis Blues will be sending 10 players, about seven of whom you've heard of. Uh, they'll be sending Braden Shin and Jaden Schwartz to Team Canada. Uh, they're sending Tage Thompson as the lone re- lone representative for Team USA. Not like the lone, only player on Team USA. <laughs> Tage versus. <laughs> the world. Uh, but uh, the only Blues player. Dimitri Yaskin and Adam Musel will be um, the Czech Republic representatives. That's right. Did you know Adam Musel was Czech? I sure didn't. Not me. Uh, Nikita Sashnikov, one of the newest, maybe the newest blue, is going to go as a representative of Team Russia. And then defensemen Joel Edmondson and Colton Pareko of Canada and Nico Mikola of Finland will be going. And Mikola will be joined by his Finnish netminder, Vili Huso. So the boys are sending 10 players total, which is cool because they'll get some fun hockey experience. It's sad because they're not in the playoffs and therefore can send these 10 <laughs> players. Um but that leads to an interesting discussion, particularly about Braden Shin, and this is how we'll close up a somewhat shorter than normal episode today. Uh, and that is just uh, Shin is going to get an A on his jersey in the World Championships. He'll be uh, an alternate captain for one Connor McDavid, I think is how you say it. Mm. I think he's okay. Haven't heard much about him. He'll get his, there. His team's not in the playoffs either. Uh, so <laughs> and it's his fault. <laughs> it's all your fault. Uh, so Shin's going to get an alternate. Marty Brodeur, GM of Team Canada, recognizes his leadership. Ooh, is, is that nepotism? Oh, baby, he's so angry. <laughs> uh, or he's so related or something. <laughs> that was weird. My brain just broke. Uh, so... <laughs> What do you make of Shen getting an alternate captain? And then more directly, does he need to be one for the Blues next year? Oh, my. Or does he just need to be the captain? 
I don't know if he gets... I don't think he gets an A if he is still in Philly. If he plays this well and in Philly, I don't think he gets an A because he wasn't the leader there. Mm-mm. He may have been a vocal guy, the but I don't... The leader of that team is Andrew McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Hundy. Hundy percent. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think he would have an A if it wasn't for him coming here. And obviously the season he had helped a lot too. It just got him noticed mm-hmm. more than normal. But he definitely was a leader while on the Blues. It's kind of interesting to see. I think you saw it before he fought uh, Landeskog at the drop of the puck, but then you most certainly saw it from that point on, and it was without question. I don't know if he gets an A. There were. Sorry, go ahead. I was like, I don't know if he gets an A this season on the Blues just because you have Steen and Tarasenko both with A's. And we know fans in general, and I agree but would not be prying an A off Tarasenko's chest. Yeah. Steen, people might be iffy on. I think if Steen gets moved at some point, maybe, then maybe you get, <laughs> maybe. You get a, a Braden Shen A, um, or you go for the head of the snake and just strip Petrangelo of the C. <laughs> rip it off Dustin Brown style. Staple it on Shen's head, and you're like, I guess you're the captain now, <laughs> says Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am the captain, though. That won't be the most fun. Um, What was I going to say? I've totally forgotten. I think you're right about Shin in the sense that I think he's getting recognized for what he did here. And we saw a couple moments. You mentioned the fight with Landis Cog. There was also the fact that he was the only guy that went over to Jamie Benn and was like, hey, it's not okay for you to sit on our captain. (laughs) That's true. Including our captain, who didn't (laughs) say that. Our chair, Um, Alex Petrangelo. (laughs) So, I mean, there are... Are there are, um, there are reasons to think he's a, a natural leader, but I think there's kind of a bigger question. Excuse me about whether uh, whether it certainly matters who wears the C and who wears the A's, but do you have to wear one to be a leader in the clubhouse? No. And, and you were talking earlier about how. Petrangelo is the puppet leader, <laughs> the Manchurian <laughs> oh. captain. Oh, he is. Uh, why don't you touch on that? Which is more of a joke than anything. But <laughs> Well, I we talked about this, I'm sure, at some point on one of these many podcasts. Mm-hmm. We're celebrating 40 this now. 40th. For one. those of you who are give, you, give your podcast a 40-episode trial, this is your make-or-break <laughs> episode. Is 40 AARP membership? I don't think no, so. No, but no, it's much older than they, that. They start thinking about it. Well. <laughs> they start thinking about it. They get mailers. It. You're on the radar. Uh-huh. Um, I think we mentioned on another episode about how Rutherford, I don't know if it was in a mailbag or something. Rutherford had, B. Hayes. <laughs> our favorite president? Is he a president? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, yep. I'm not so good at the history. <laughs> um, how Rutherford had mentioned in The Athletic that Petrangelo was a fine captain, but he was a lot quieter and kind of kept to himself. The Manchurian captain. Yeah. <laughs> and that Steen was kind of also like a weird also captain because mm-hmm. he tried to include people on things and he tried to... Make sure everyone felt welcome, mm-hmm. which is kind of odd because to me, when I look at Steen, I think, honestly, if I never heard him speak and I just looked at his face, I go, that guy's a standoffish dude, like yeah. 100%. Uh-huh. So it's interesting. But I think you, they had the a... The pro- one time I saw him in Deerberg's and he was mildly concussed, I think he looked standoffish. <laughs> well, you he just don't want to get too close to that schnoz. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's how I picked him out of the crowd, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I recognize that nose from anywhere. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, I just don't know what the leadership is like in that room. And I'm sure it could use one more, and I'm guessing Shen... I'm just guessing Shen and Steen get along. They seem like they would. I'm right. sure they are fine with Petrangelo, too. But I think sometimes it helps to have um, vocal leaders, especially mm-hmm. in the locker room. That's not where you're going to be leading by example. That's yeah. where you're going to talk. What you don't want, I think, is a situation where one guy... And the Manchurian Candidate analogy, I don't think applies at all because I don't think that's really the plot oh, of that movie. No, I think it is. Uh, <laughs> but I think case, if you look back, it uh, is. <laughs> if you just draw out a map, it'll make sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, you don't want a situation where Petrangelo is f- either a forced to be a leader that he isn't, so people are looking for him for leadership and he's not delivering. Or B, they're looking to the de facto leaders like Shen and Steen and Petrangelo's resenting that, which I don't think he does. I don't think he's that type. But like if 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 there's a harmony where other people can share leadership roles and he's fine with that, then I don't care who wears the A's or the C's and I hope they're not petty enough to care that much either. Uh, but you don't want a situation where there's divided locker room, which I know is a rumor we heard this year that mm-hmm. it was divided along Steen and Petrangelo lines. I just don't know enough to validate that. I think there's probably, I don't think it's probably as, as sinister as that was made out to be. I think there's probably a reality to the fact that Steen and Petrangelo have sort of different leadership styles, and some people gravitate more towards Steen's, and some people gravitate mm-hmm. more towards Petrangelo. That doesn't mean that they're like sharks and jets in the back alley and snapping and singing and stabbing each other, but uh, <laughs> I think it could be true. But I just, you know, you want to keep the locker room united more than anything. And if that means ripping the seat <laughs> off of Alex Petrangelo's chest and just not even sewing up the jersey, there's just a hole in his jersey to remind him of his mistakes <laughs> for the rest of the year and then putting it on uh, Braden Shen's jersey, then fine. No, I don't think they'll do that. Um, but yeah, I think that's it's an interesting discussion mm-hmm. to have and it'll be fun. If they do trade if they do trade Steen, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Shen got the letter, but I wouldn't be surprised if Schwartz did either. So That's true. What about a Perenko? No. no never, in a, never in a million years. <laughs> um, do you remember when... He is pretty young to be yeah. leading that group. Do you remember when Joe Thornton was captain? Sucked. And then they took the C away from him? Did they? Yeah, because then Joe from... Pavelski became captain oh, yeah. later. And they did it to Dustin Brown, too, and Andre yeah. Kopitar. For a whole year, Angela the Sharks Kopitar. didn't have a captain. Uh-huh. And when they played the Winnipeg Jets, and Winnipeg has, has some witty fans or some fun chants. You might forget because Nashville has all the, the fun crowd interaction now. But I believe when the Sharks played the Jets, when they didn't have a captain, the chant was, who's your captain? <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. That's awesome. Thank you, Jets fans. I love it. Thank you, Winnipeg. And that's why you all deserve to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, I have nothing more to say. Do you have anything to add? Any anecdotes you'd like to discuss? Hornets suck, people. They really, really do. do. Uh, the Seattle Hornets. That'd be an interesting name. There we maybe. go. Because Boeing. I don't know if you were doing oh. that on purpose, but there you go. I was <laughs> I was not, but I'm 100% sold now. I am so turned on right wow. now. Yeah, this went from 6 and to midnight, baby. Somebody's going to email us or tweet us and be like, uh, the Hornet's made by uh, McDonnell Douglas, so you can suck it or whoever. Well, you can go to hell. I think Boeing <laughs> is McDonnell Douglas. What's the other one? 
What's the other one? There's the uh, other Lockheed one. Martin. Lockheed Martin. Thank you. Thank you, folks. We're not as stupid as we sound. <laughs> Are we going to have our first episode in forever under 60 minutes at 58 and a half right now? Should oh, we just stop no, or do no, we just extend no, no. it? We can talk So for a I think and a half. Lockheed was a real jerk, but Martin was the brains behind <laughs> the operation. Um, Here's a fun story. Did you know that Adidas? <laughs> did you know that Adidas is named after its founder Adolf Dossler, whose Ooh, first real- name was Adi? Adolf Adolf is not a popular name for obvious <laughs> reasons, but Adolf or Adi Dossler, Adidas, formed that shoe company with his brother. But they got in a fight, and the brother split off, and he formed Puma. And they're like huge rivals, like angry, bitter rivals. So there you go, folks. We still have forty-five seconds to go. Um, now you tell a story. I really enjoyed. Avengers Infinity War. Okay. It was very good. No spoilers here. Spoiler-free zone. We'll have to have a, a spoiler part at yeah. the end of some other episode. I think it was very well made. I thought it was a lot of action, I, but it was well-paced. I really thought it was weird when Batman killed Thanos. That was strange. But, but it fits into his character. It does. it does. He has no parents. He's like, <laughs> I can't kill villains, except if they're about to kill all the other things. Mm-hmm. And he always got a plan for that stuff. You got to. And he would. He would have a, he would have a counter for the Infinity Gauntlet. That's just Batman. And he does in this movie where where they announce within the confines of the movie that Disney purchased DC too. (laughs) There's a contract on screen for a whole whole 15 (laughs) seconds for you to read. 15 pages. It's like a flip book. Look, they just want the audiences to be well informed. They sure do. Uh, They're all about transparency over at Disney World Domination Corporation. And we're all about going over an hour minute, which we've done now. So should we stop now? Mm. Do we have more? words to say i don't think Mm -hmm. so thank you all for tuning into our 40th episode it's quite frankly bonkers that we've recorded that many yeah and that doesn't even count bonus episodes so from the bottom of my heart and the middle part of ian's much smaller (laughs) (laughs) that's shrinking thank you all for tuning in for as many episodes as you have tuned in for and here's hoping for at least four or five more Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal. That's, <laughs> that's what the we real hope goal. for. All right, folks, that's enough from us. Thank you all. Good night. Avada Kedavra. <laughs>